Now, here is a New Year's resolution that you can actually keep. Add Stamps.com to your business and save a ton of time and money this year. I love that Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to my computer. You see, to me, Stamps.com is the better way to get postage. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage for any letter or package, any class of mail, and then let the mailman pick it up. You don't have to leave your office, and there's no more lugging mail to the post office. There is no more hassle. I love Stamps.com because it does save me time and money. Almost everything that I can do at the post office, I now do right from my desk. Plus, Stamps.com has postage discounts that you cannot get at the post office. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those super expensive postage meters. Stamps.com makes it easy. Stamps.com sends you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage so you never overpay or underpay for postage ever again. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer which includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Are you ready for a happier new year? Then go to Stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Rome. Once again, Stamps.com, enter Rome, Stamps.com, enter to Rome. This is my first exposure to Donald Sterling. So we do the golf thing and he gets up there and he speaks and he introduces me and I, uh, he grabs me by my arm and I kid you not, he goes, God, he goes, you're big and strong. He goes, you're, you're going to be able to compete with the black guys. <laughs> Dude, you got to be kidding me. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. What's going on? Happy New Year. Episode 19, all dialed up and ready to roll. It is so good to be back. 2018 is off to a hell of a start, I must say. As strong as we finished last year, we kicked off 2018 even stronger. You see, the radio program is now a television show. And if you have not checked out our three-hour simulcast on the CBS Sports Network, you want to make sure you do that. If you have, thank you very much for doing so. The response has been amazing already. And I've got to be honest, I did have lofty expectations for TV. I mean, after 20-plus years, most of those years were spent being asked, when are you going to telecast that radio program? I always thought to myself, I'll do it, but when I do it, I need to do it the right way. And here we are now, a little more than a week and a half in, it's already exceeded my expectations. A week and a half in, the radio show is still the radio show, but if possible, it's even better because of this simulcast. So that's where I've been since the last time we dropped a pod. It's been a minute since we've done one of these things, but know this. My shovel is still sharp, and my will is outstanding. And I'll tell you something else which is outstanding this particular episode. Ep 19 is special to me. It's personal because it was a chance for me to catch up with one of my main dudes, Tom Tolbert. Tommy T is a former NBA player who spent seven years in the NBA. He's also a radio legend. Two decades and counting doing afternoon drive time for KMBR in the Bay Area. But he's so much more than that. He's an all-time jungle legend, and straight up, Tom Tolbert is one of the best human beings I know. Tommy T had plenty to say in this conversation about life, about near death, about beer, about basketball, and about so much more. So, pot up. Episode 19 starts right after this word from Lumber Liquidators. 
It's a brand new year, and we all want to elevate our game to the next level and make 2018 the best year ever. Well, if you're a contractor, builder, or remodeler, listen up, because elevating your game this year just got a whole lot easier thanks to my pals at Lumber Liquidators and their new LL Pro Plus program. LL Pro Plus is Lumber Liquidators' new pro services team that you can call for all your professional flooring needs. LL Pro Plus will help you absolutely crush it this year with professional pricing and dedicated support to get you what you need when you need it most so you can get all your projects finished on time. LL Pro Plus gives you the ultimate value and quality. And with LL Pro Plus, no job is too large and no job is too small. So put the flooring experts on your team today. Today, visit your local Lumber Liquidators store or go to LumberLiquidators.com. That's LumberLiquidators.com. Now, without a doubt, the worst part of coming back from a vacation was dusting off the voicemail and seeing two weeks worth of tape that I had to sit down and sift through. Now, remember, what I play here is not what I start with. I've got to comb through hundreds of unlistenable messages just to find something that I barely want to play back, that's barely listenable. So I may have taken two weeks off the pod, but the voicemail stayed open. And now I got to zero out the deck and get this painful procedure over with. So for the first time in 2018, let's see where we're at on the machine. You have 12 new messages. First new message. Hi, Jim. It's Andy from Rockland. Kind of missed you the last couple of days there. Um, just to let you know, there, I miss your show. And, uh, but in any event, I miss your voice there. Totally. And happy new year, wherever you are. Happy, happy new year. Okay. Bye. Message saved. Next message. I don't care about being on the podcast, but Sparrow, you make sure Mr. Rome gets this message. Rome, I am so pumped for the TV launch. I've been listening for 15 years. I've been hoping for this for about the last five. And, man, I am pumped. The DVR is set. Happy New Year to you, the XR4TI. Let's get this thing started. Message saved. Next message. Yo, Jump, man. This is Parody Ralph, man. Yo, unwore that clown parody, Larry, man. Wore me getting a golden ticket, first one, off of the voice, man. Racket already. Like, you already know, it's parody Ralph. Message deleted. Next message. Jim, this is Kelly in Fairfax, calling from the XR4 2012i crew on behalf of Woodscope Studios. I was calling to confirm your segment on Woodscopes for January 5th and also wanted to let you know that Mr. Wood let me know if the 19th is better for you, then we can go ahead and put you in on that spot. So if you could please call us and confirm, that would be great. Thank you. Happy holidays. Message deleted. Next message. About time Packers just their fired down papers. Now get somebody that's going to turn him into a top kick-ass defense, which they haven't been in years. I'm sick of everybody's defense always being better than the Packers. Y'all need somebody tough and who's going to kick, they can kick ass, man. Message saved. Next message. Yo, pimp. James in Fort Lauderdale. I just ran into Orenthal at the driving range. Dude could hit the ball a ton, but he's got a wicked slice. 
Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim Rome. This is Debbie from Lundell, and I just caught you on channel 315 Time Warner Cable. I just want to say... Romy, it's Matt in L.A., and you can't get away from me. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, pimping the box. Checking out the new TV deal, man. You look great. Anyways, Romy, enjoying the heck out of the show. Keep it up. Message saved. Next message. This is right from the back. Cleveland, you gotta be kidding me. It's cold as nuts out there, and y'all dumbasses are standing out there celebrating the 0-16 season. That is stupid as hell, you bums. Message deleted. Next message. Team Bank is a bunch of fucking losers, man. All these guys do all day long is hang out, smoke their weed, sit there on their periscopes, talk about a bunch of bullshit, and in the end, it doesn't amount to anything, and I cannot stand it. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Bye. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Van Frank. It's your boy, Steve Seagal. I'm in town. Meet me at the Golden Corral. Message deleted. Next message. Yo, Rome, how are you not on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? You know, you're one of the greatest in the business doing what you do. You need to be on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Message saved. You have no more messages. All right, then. I think I'll make a couple of big guesses right here. Number one, James in Fort Lauderdale, you did not really play golf with OJ in Florida. This cat's stuck in Vegas. Number two, if that really, really was Steve Seagal, he was not at the Golden Corral. Actually, he probably was at the Golden Corral, and I think I've seen him there before. And third, Andy in Rockwin's New Year's resolutions did not include giving up drunk dialing the podcast. So let me just say this. Thank you to everybody who called up with nice things to say about the TV show. You know I appreciate that so much. Thanks to Matt in L.A., for only leaving 15 voicemails instead of his regular 30. Oh, and Kelly, let me check my calendar on the Woodscopes. But the fact that the Wood has himself a booker tells me that that is an extremely well-financed and well-oiled machine. Now, let me start this by saying that I've been in this business for a long, long time. Pretty much 30 years of hosting radio and TV shows and now podcasts and the like. And business is business. And in this business... I've got a number of really good relationships, but most of my really close friends are not in this business. Now, I'm sure you'd probably say the same thing about your business and your friends, so that does not make me unusual in any regard. That said, there are a few guys that I do consider family that I met in the industry. You know, the type of friend that no matter how hairy life gets, no matter how long it's been since you've seen that person or talked to that person, when you finally do see them, you always pick up right where you left off, no matter how long it's been. And it's never awkward, and it's always awesome. Tom Tolbert, to me, is one of those guys. Tom Tolbert was playing in the NBA when the jungle first hit nationally and when I got my first TV gig. He was one of the first pro athletes to jump on and become a regular on my programs. And I'm not ashamed to say this. In fact, I want to go on record with this. I love this guy. And I do consider him to be one of my best friends. He is a tremendous talk show host, a better friend, and he went through something that was truly terrifying this past summer. He has an amazing story to tell, and it was simply time for he and I to get caught up and chop it up. Jim, what is happening? 
My man. What's happening, partner? Now, before we start, <laughs> I, I got to know, middle of the day, you're getting ready. Your show's coming up a little bit later on. I've got to know, right before you picked up this phone and you made this phone call, what were you doing? Uh, watch Match Game. Maybe the greatest show in the history of television. Uh, they, they do two shows a day. It's at 5.30 and 6, so you know I don't get up that early, so... The beautiful invention of the uh, the DVR coming in handy once again. So I record it, and we get up, do whatever we have to do, which is basically nothing, uh, at least for me. Uh, and then we watch the match game, and then maybe I'll watch. I might watch, an, uh, I don't know, maybe one of the football games from this past weekend again, just kind of catch up, do a little prep work for the show, and, and then if I have time, maybe squeeze another match game. Yeah, I was going to say, but not, you might do a little bit of prep work for the show. And look, I, I know the show, your show is amazing. You're always prepped, but not before you DVR or watch a little match game and then you get to the football. Oh, absolutely. Good. Match game comes first, Tim. You know that. I know that. I know that. All right, Tommy, you know, the thing is, you you and I really did come up together in this game. For those who don't know, the first time you and I ever spoke, you were playing for the LA Clippers and you just happened mm-hmm. to call in on my listener line. Now, you have to understand. As an up-and-coming talk show host, that was a dream. Like, damn, an nba is calling me on his own. But I was smart enough to know that it might be some listener jerking around. So I had my producer fire a bunch of questions at you, you know, to prove that it was you. And you finally said, geez, who the hell would lie about being Tom Tolbert? Just let me talk to Rome. Tommy, do you even remember that call or what prompted you to make that call? Absolutely, I remember that call. Obviously, I love listening to the show and love you, and I just wanted to call. And I remember it was, I think it was preceding Florida State Notre Dame back when Charlie Ward was at, uh, was at Florida State. I'm not sure exactly what prompted me to make the call, but I remember I, I, I think that game was coming up on Saturday, and I wanted to talk about that game. Basically, just wanted to talk to you. It was pretty funny, though, because I forget who your screener was. After about the third question, I'm like, bro, who would call? Who would call? Saying they're me. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, I mean, you're gonna pull better than that, aren't you? That's I mean, great. Hey, hell, I mean, go bull outlaw. You're not gonna go Tom Tolbert. I mean, Tom Tolbert <laughs> way down on the list. So I, I think at that point, it's like, hey, you're probably right. Which I don't know. I mean, it seemed like a backhanded compliment. Maybe it wasn't. I'm not sure. But we moved on from there. And then, then I called you all the time just because I needed an outlet because I was playing for the Clippers, much to the chagrin of their PR man Joe Safety and. GM Elgin Baylor. And I don't think anybody was super thrilled that I used to call you every week. In fact, I know that's, they were That's not true. Thrilled. I was. I, I was super you thrilled. <laughs> I, that's not true. I was really thrilled. I know Joe Safety wasn't. He was furious. He was not and, and he went. And not only was he not, and we, in the end, we ended up doing much, much better. Actually, very well with Joe Safety. But for years, he was not happy with me or you or us. What about Elgin? Elgin Baylor, Hall of Famer GM. What did he say and what did he think about you calling the show? Uh, he never really talked to me. I mean, it kind of came through uh, my agent, uh, Warren Legary. He would talk to him and tell him that, uh, you know, Sterling wasn't real thrilled with what I was what I was saying or me being on the show, and I know they weren't happy, and I remember I made a wisecrack, like, well, what are they going to do, play me negative minutes? <laughs> I mean, you, you can't do – I mean, I'm playing – no, I'm not playing at all. Well, I mean, what, what could you possibly do at that point? But I remember – uh, my agent calling me and telling me to may- maybe tone it down just a little bit. And I'm not even sure if this was on your show or not, but somebody asked me what it was like playing at the pond because we played a couple games down at the pond that year. 
uh, I think when it first opened, it was maybe like first, second year of his existence. So he played down there, and it was a nice crowd. It was really cool. I mean, unlike the uh, the sports arena where most of the fans were for the uh, for the opposing team. So somebody asked me, like, what was it like playing down here? And I said, it was really cool. I go, we actually had some fans. I go, that was, that was, that was nice for a change. And I, I don't think he really enjoyed that. So I think – the story goes that he was back at Atlanta the Super Bowl and his buddies like saw the story and they're like laughing going, ah, this guy's cracking up. <laughs> so anyway, the filters down through Elgin and then through my agent and then back back to me. And at that point, that's when I said, what are you going to do, play me negative minutes? I mean, I don't really give a crap. When somebody asks me a question, I'm going to I'm gonna answer it and I'm going to have a little bit of fun while I'm here. Yeah, Tommy, it's always been that way. I mean, in every everything you've ever done, it's always been that way, and this is why you are who you are, and people love you. Now, you mentioned Sterling. You could probably give me, in the one year that you were there, I could probably ask you for a Donald Sterling story, and you could give me 20 or 30 or more. But if I had to touch you up for just one Sterling story, and remember, you're on a podcast right now. We do whatever we want. We say whatever we want. So you can say whatever you want. If there's one Sterling story, what would it be that you could share? God, I mean, it just—he's such, just such a weird. He was just a weird guy. Just, I mean, just—he was the guy with when he was walking down the hall. If you like saw him or in the in the bowels of the arena, and you you duck into a broom closet just to avoid him. Like you didn't want to say hi to him. You didn't want to say hi to you. A, he'd be in the locker room just look looking like like it, like. Like if he wasn't the owner, he'd be like, "Get this guy out of here. This guy's creepy. Right. Like, get this, get this dude out of here." But my favorite story was when we we're down in uh, God, where were we playing golf? Pelican, I think Pelican it was Hill. Pelican Hill. Is it Pelican Hill? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because Pelican Bay is a prison. I don't think you want to play golf there. <laughs> no, Pelican uh, Hill, Newport so Beach. We're playing golf there. It's like a tournament uh, sponsors and stuff like that before the uh, before the season started. Then this is my first exposure to, to Donald Sterling, uh, really kind of my first official uh, deal with the Clippers. So we do the golf thing, and he gets up there, and he speaks, and he introduces me. And I, uh, he grabs me by my arm, and I kid you not, he goes, God, he goes, you're big and strong. He goes, you're, you're going to be able to compete with the black guys. <laughs> Dude, you've got to be kidding me. You have to be kidding me about that. Like what? I got it even, it stunned me almost. Like, I was like, did he just say that? I go, he didn't, did he just say that? I think he just said that. And I, I just thought, God, that was just, I go, that is such a weird. Racist. Uh, racist. Uh, unorthodox thing to say, to say to somebody. First of all, you grabbed me by my arm. I go, you don't, you don't know me. What am I here? I, it was almost like I was. A piece of property to him, right. like he, he he paid for me, bought me, and so like, like he'd like inspect me. So yeah, he grabbed me by my arm and squeezed my bicep, and yeah, and then then when he said you compete with the black guys, I was like, wait, 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 wait what? What does that mean? Hey, what are Tom, you talking about? Tom, seriously, what did so you? I do? just kind of like whatever, and what? then the more yeah, uh, I got to know him or know of him, it was like it was like when the whole racist thing broke. I'm like, duh. I go, really? I go, we're going to make a big deal out of that now? Like, no, like, everybody knew that. Everybody knew what this guy was all about, the housing stories, all that stuff. It's just no one wanted to make a big deal out of it because no one wanted anybody digging into their stuff. But when it became patently obvious and everyone knew, not just people in the, in the game knew, then it became, hey, this guy could end up costing us money. And that's what it always comes down to. And if, 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 if it costs us money, it's a problem. And uh, that that was going to cost them money because sponsors started pulling out from the Clippers. 
And I'm sure other teams were thinking, well, that, they could do that to us, too. So let's go ahead and get rid of this guy. But if they wanted to get rid of him because he was a racist, they could have done that 20 years ago and been on solid ground. You knew. You knew from the very jump. Now, back then, you you not only came on my radio program, but you came on a TV show when I got my first TV show, Talk 2, and you were great on that, too. And we were in this legendary spot, Hollywood and Vine. And I remember that you came on the show one night, and then you had a plane to catch, but you had a little bit of time. So you and I went down the street to a bar to have a beer, except we had a few beers. And by a few, I think I mean like five or six in ten minutes. And you're looking at me like, you good, dude? And I said, no, bro, I'm fucking numb. I'm not good. Why aren't you? Other than you're 6'8 and a 260-pound NBA power forward. Now, Tommy, I went to UC Santa Barbara. The crew I ran with hit it pretty hard, but I had never seen a dude put down beers that quickly. So in that regard, you were the guy to me. As you look back on your life in or out of sports, who's the king of crushing beers? Oof, man. I mean... I got to be honest, uh, I, I don't remember a lot of guys like when I played drinking a ton of beers like Scott Skiles liked crush beers. Uh, I played with Scotty in, in Orlando for a year. Uh, a lot of guys that, that, that I played with were probably more mixed drink guys, uh, Picardi and Coke, uh, and vodka and anything, vodka straight. Uh, Nelly, my coach at Golden State. I mean, he's probably he, he he's probably drank more beers in his lifetime than the I don't know, like a small state, Rhode <laughs> Island, maybe. I mean, he did this guy. He, he he could drink a ton, a ton of beers. But as far as players go, I mean, here's the deal. I don't think anyone drank as many beers as I did because I don't think anyone liked beers like I like beers. I mean, people usually drink. A lot of people still drink. I mean, I, when you get older, you think you just drink because you like the taste of it, not because you want to get blasted. I mean, that's like when you're in college. Like, uh, yeah, how much is Meisterbrow? Four bucks for a 12-pack? Yeah, give me two 12-packs. We're good to go. Right. Stroh's? Yeah, go ahead and throw that one in there, too. What's it taste like? <laughs> I don't care. It's two We're good. Well, you start making a little money or you have a job, and then you start saying, okay, I'm going to drink what I like. And not, I don't want to get blasted anymore. So, I mean, I, I still drink. I wouldn't say a lot of beer, but I probably have, you know, my, my 14 to 20 beers a week. But I, I, I like really good beer. I mean, they got amazing breweries up here in Northern California. I mean, Drake's and Fieldwork and Faction. And I mean, I can I go on and on with beer names, but I just, I like it now. And they, they, look, if I could drink beer that was like no percent alcohol, that's what I would drink if it had the same taste. Unfortunately, it doesn't. But as far as far as drinking beer, it's probably just me and and Nelly. Uh, I, I, I'm not even sure if that's anything to be proud of. To be perfectly honest with oh, you, no, you should be proud. You should be proud. And to be fair, to be fair, to <laughs> Thank be fair you, to yourself. I appreciate that. Yeah, you got it. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to help you out. Now, to be fair, it's not just beer. Listen, I want to say also. We, Janet and I, got married in Napa, and I'm thinking about this. I don't think Lori, Lori, did not come to the wedding because. She had just given birth, I think, right? I think you yeah, came solo. Yeah, I'm not solo. sure why she wasn't there. I think for that reason. Come to think about it, you, the, 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 the mini fridge was it. That's why you don't there. remember, bro, because <laughs> you came back to the room. There were only a few people, and you, you obviously, one of my best friends, you came back. Bro, you emptied that mini fridge. That literally, if there was liquor in that fridge, you drank it, and it didn't matter what it was. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course I remember that. And I just, yeah, well, I mean, I drank it because it was there. If you'd had beer, I would have drank that. 
but, you, but there was no beer in the room, so I drank what was, I, I can't even remember what was in there. I know my nothing stomach by the time was you were screaming done. by the end of the night. It was screaming, help me. You're killing me, right? You're killing me. As we speak, you're killing me. We may not make it through the evening. Please stop. The next liquid that comes down your esophagus, into the stomach, better be of the H2O variety. Oh, God, <laughs> it's not. It's tequila. <laughs> it's the best. All right, now let me ask you this. This is how deep you and I go. You were in the very first smack-off back in 1995. And you were the 14th caller that day right after JT the Brick, who won the whole thing. This is a true story. I want to play you a really short clip so people know that I'm telling it straight. I want you to listen to this and give me your reaction. Our first celebrity smack. He's more jungle dweller than celebrity, but I've been watching the box scores. He's been putting in quality minutes. It's Buck. Robot Tolbert in the jungle. Buck, what is up? What is up? How about it, man? You were playing some good basketball. It's good to see you in the box scores. Well, let me just tell you something. Last game, five minutes, four points, four rebounds. You prorate that through 48 minutes. You're talking all-star numbers. Oh, that was like a month for you. I couldn't believe it. I, I can kick back for four games now and just think, <laughs> it's all gravy. So far, we are 13 calls in. You were number 14. You are our first celebrity in the smack-off on this epic Friday. So I'm out. Go ahead. Let it rip. Back in the jungle, baby. Give you a little dose of things that you just don't need. You know, I really don't need every team trying to incorporate black into their colors. Okay? It's getting a little sickening. When you see a 29-year-old yuppie wearing a black Los Angeles Dodgers cap, cut your losses, okay? I don't need people buying five BMWs. I don't need people thinking OJ's still innocent. I don't need Tim McCarver doing Pep Boy commercials. Manny Moe and Tim? I don't think so. Where's Dion with his bucket of ice when you need him? I don't need a turd floating in my toilet when I check into my hotel room. Jeez, I really don't need that. I don't need Michael Jordan taking all my boy Steve Kerr's shots. Good night now. I don't need Michael Jordan taking any more of my boy Steve Kerr's shots. Tommy, do you believe that? Listen, listen to the way you and I sounded. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that, that right there is the reason why I don't listen to myself. I, I've never listened to myself. I think I'm a tool when I listen to myself. I got to be honest with you. People are like, oh, do you watch your tapes? I'm like, no, I don't listen to my tapes. I don't watch myself. I just do it, drop it, move on, get away from it. <laughs> always. No, I've always been the same way. I mean, we're supposed to listen so we get better, but it's hard to listen. But then again, dude, to be fair, that that was 20-some-odd years ago, right? So Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> so well, I mean, yeah, it was when, uh, yeah, Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan were boxing. I was yeah. probably back in the mid yeah, mid nineties. That's was crazy. That, so like urban urban legend, urban myth, or the two of those guys really did throw down. What happened? You know, I, I don't know if it was a complete throwdown, but uh from my understanding it was yeah, Steve Steve's not gonna back down to anybody. I don't care who it is, Steve's not gonna back down. Now, is he gonna take on Michael Jordan in the classic sense? I mean, no, it's a bit it's a complete mismatch by guys like six three a buck eighty, Michael Jordan's a <laughs> damn 6'6", 200-pound raptor. I mean, this guy is like, I mean, I was out there with him. I mean, this guy is it's super strong. He didn't look strong, but he is super strong. And we know what kind of athlete he is. So when he comes after you, chances are it's not going to go well for you. So, I, But I don't think it was like a, everybody circling around him in some kind of like every which way but loose Clint Eastwood type fight where you know, you're like, hey, beat the crap out of somebody. We'll give you like five minutes. And I was like, grab you around the throat, maybe punch someone, and then then it's all over. So, uh, But no, I mean, that's 
that's Steve, though. That's the edge that has allowed him to play 15 years in the NBA. The edge that's allowed him to be the the coach that he is, and he is a he's as fierce a competitor as uh, I've been around. You know, Tom, you and I, I mean, this is so much fun. You and I could do this for the rest of the day, for sure. And it's so good to get caught up with you. And we could sit and BS for a couple of hours and swap stories. But the fact is, something really terrifying happened this past summer. You're sitting at home on August 29th, and you're watching a Giants baseball game when suddenly you know something wasn't right. What happened? Uh, so I'm sitting there watching, uh, yeah, just watching the game, 9 o'clock at night, like I would normally be doing during the, during the summer. And I just, and I remember it was nine because uh, Lori was already uh, in bed at the time. And I I thought that was way early for her to be going to to bed. But uh, so I'm sitting there watching the game and all of a sudden my temples started hurting. So my temples are hurting and it's not like normal, kind of like both temples at the same time. And the pain was pretty intense. And then it started to dissipate. And then I got the same type of feeling in my shoulder blades. I was like, God dang, Like, what the hell is going on? So I'm just trying to get comfortable on the couch and I figure, okay, you know, maybe the you know blood flow or maybe I got my arms cocked the wrong way or maybe I'm sitting the wrong way or something. And then my chest and my throat kind of started hurting a little bit. Not as intense as the temples or the shoulder blades, but then I started thinking, oh man, am I having a heart attack? So I, I, you know, got on the phone and Googled heart attack symptoms and it, it didn't fit because they say heart attack, your, your heart kind of feels like a clenched fist and it wasn't really clenched. It was just kind of throbbing a little bit. So I was like, all right, I'm going to give myself, you know, five, 10 minutes and, and lay, I, I, was, I was like laying in different positions, sitting in different positions. I mean, it, it probably looked like drunk yoga. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but nothing worked. I couldn't get comfortable. Uh, so finally I just walked upstairs and laid next to, to Lori who had the lights out and she was going to bed. And I just said, sugar, I don't, I don't feel good. Something's wrong. And she like knew at that point, like I, I, w- I wouldn't come up there at, you know, and just lay down next to her. And so she turned the lights and I guess I was like just completely covered in sweat. And my breathing was, uh, was sped up a little bit. And she's like, okay, what's going on? I go, well, here's my temples and my shoulder blades and, she goes, all right, let's go to the hospital. Uh, we, or we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay. And I thought, you know, of course, no one wants to go to the damn hospital. But I was thinking it's probably, it's probably one of those times you should probably listen to your, listen to your body. So we get over to the hospital, Alameda Hospital. It's only like five minutes away. So she drove uh, over there and got over there, and no one was there. And they asked me if I was having chest pains. I said, yeah, a little bit. So they admitted me. They admitted me right away. And then hooked me up to some machines, ran some tests. Oh, I, I guess I was there about an hour and a half, maybe a little bit longer. I'm not sure. Uh, but Walker was there and his girlfriend, Lisa, was there. And then Haley came and and the doctor came back and said, uh, it's your aorta. It's, you know, it's serious. You're going to have to have surgery tonight. And I was like, whoa. And I was, I, I, at that point, I, I was already on a little bit of pain medication. Uh, so it just, like, I kind of knew that was going to, that was it. My dad's had problems with his aorta going back to when he was 43 years old. He had a uh, abdominal uh, operation on his abdominal aorta. And then, like, five years ago, had one on his upper aorta as well. So I, I just kind of knew, like, that's where this was heading. Like, it just, 
it, it, it didn't feel right and the pain wasn't going away. So she just said, we're going to get you an urgent care uh, ambulance, get you over to Stanford and they're, they're going to perform surgery oh, that night. I was pretty, I was, you know, I was like, okay, you know, let, let's get this thing done. Let's, let's get it taken care of. And at that point I wasn't really, I wasn't really nervous or scared. I just, Tommy, okay, Tommy, 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 I yeah. got I, I to gotta ask you, I mean, you're 52 you're a former pro athlete. You're in great shape. You have an amazing life, an amazing wife, three amazing kids, and you're just watching a Giants game, and the next thing you know, they're wheeling you into heart surgery, heart surgery right then and there, and you're telling me that you were kind of all right with that? I mean, not all right well, I mean, with it, well, but... what can I do? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, always, I've always thought why stress over things that I can't control, and I certainly couldn't, couldn't control that. And it gave me a, a a little bit of solace knowing that my dad had gone through two of them. I mean, it, this it, this ended up being a different one, uh, and I'll explain that in a minute. But my my dad had had two of them. Like my dad, I'm like, oh, my dad can survive this. I'm gonna these guys. I mean, Stanford's the best. They'll get it done, no problem. So I'm like, all right. And who knows? Maybe I was just hopped up on you know on meds, and I, I I wasn't thinking straight. That could have been a possibility too. Hmm. So right. <laughs> they put me in the back of the the urgent care uh, ambulance, and we just, you know, well, dude, rolled dude, hold on, hold on. But you know what you did, though? You went selfie from the ambulance, didn't you? Well, I didn't go selfie. My, my, I asked Walker to take a picture okay. of me, so he took a picture of me because they, they took the gurney, and they had to handcuff it to the side of the, the inside of the uh, the ambulance so it wouldn't move around. So when they brought the uh, the uh, the handcuffs out, I started thinking to myself, is this like the criminal they're, like, putting in back here? <laughs> I told Walker to take a picture of me. I'm like, they finally got me. So I actually have a picture of me in the back of the gurney with two thumbs up oh, wow. <laughs> right before they right before they shut the door. So I asked Haley a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, I go, you still got that picture? And she goes, yeah, I still got it. I go, yeah, send it to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, go ahead and throw that out there because uh, Bruce Jenkins wrote a really nice article. So I, he, And he mentioned that story in his article. So I tweeted, I tweeted out the picture of me with the uh, two thumbs up. So, yeah, I mean, I just, again... I was just thinking, okay, they're going to get it done. My dad's been through this. I'm going to survive this. Um, I'm, 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 I wouldn't say great shape, but in good shape. I mean, I'll, I'll get through this, and they'll figure out a way down at Stanford. I mean, these guys are super smart. They'll get it done. So, all right. So then I you get go, down there. Yeah, they so, take me right to the operating room, and I meet all the uh, the doctors and everything. And that's where I was like, "Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you, Tom Tolbert, Rush Chairman. Damn glad to meet you, Tom Tolbert, Rush Chairman. Damn glad to wow. meet you." Tom Tolbert rushed us. I think I met Dude, everybody. You're all going, at, you're going think, Animal House on all these guys. Yeah, I think they're all like, I think a couple of them got a couple of like, what are you talking, who is this guy? Get on the damn table. Right. Let's do our job. Wow, wow. <laughs> so I get on the table and uh, wake up, you know, in the recovery room and found out that what I actually ended up having was a, what they call a dissection, a thoracic aortic dissection. And it's when the inner wall of the aorta pulls away from the middle wall and the blood goes instead of going straight down the aorta. Now it has two avenues to go through and then the dissection can go up. It can go down. And that, so this is where, like, when I think about it now, I'm probably more, I wouldn't say freaked out, but it, it, it I mean, I can get like goosebumps thinking about it uh, more so than when I went through it. Cause when I was put under, I asked Walker, I go, God, I go, I'd almost rather be me than you sitting out there waiting. Walker's our, our, our middle son. And I asked him, I go, well, how, how was it? And I go, was it tough? He goes, well, 
He goes, I looked up, you know, what they were doing, and it said they had a 98% success rate. So he goes, we all felt like, you know, you're going to get through it, and it was going to be fine, and you're going to get recovery and all that kind of stuff. Well, that was the initial thing. When I had the dissection, I had the dissection during the surgery. So now this is what I've been told, and this is what I've read, so don't quote me on these numbers, but the dissection, the success rate goes from what Walker said it was 98% to probably in the 20s somewhere. So I tell everybody, I go, when I, when they put me under, when they put me under, I had Steph Curry shooting a free throw for my life. In fact, I had a better chance than Steph Curry making a free throw. Hey, Steph Curry's on the line for your life. You're sure. good to go. Right. Uh, after they put me under somewhere in the middle there, uh, DeAndre Jordan came and tapped Steph Curry in the shoulder and said, yeah, I'll be taking that free throw now. Dude, you know, and actually it was much worse than that. And DeAndre, I'm sorry, because you're shooting much better this year. I think he's around 60%. I could have went Chris Dudley, but the young kids would be like, well, Chris Dudley, who the hell is Chris Dudley? So I'm like, damn, I go, can you imagine you're just like laying there and all of a sudden you're like, you're like, look up and you're like, oh man, Steph Curry's at the line. This is going to be great. And then you're like, turn over and you look over and go, oh, Chris Dudley is on the line. Damn, I could be in trouble here. Yeah, the, the, the amazing thing is, Tom, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm not, I'm, I don't know whether or not I'm supposed to be terrified or to laugh or do both, but the fact of the matter is you get through this. There were some complications, but then you're finally back on the air. And, my man, were you not making death jokes like two weeks into your show as soon as you came back? Sure. I mean, why not? I mean, I look, you, you Everyone that knows me even a little bit knows I like to laugh and knows I like to find the humor in just about anything. There are some things where I'll probably, you know, push a little bit, but it, it is me. I mean, I gave it to my own death. I can have as much fun as I want to. No one can tell me how much fun I can or cannot have at my own expense. But, uh, you know, I just try to find humor in things. Again, it goes back to what can you control? What can't you control? Like, I there's so many things. I couldn't control. I asked the doctors, I said, could you have, could I have done anything uh, for this not to happen? And they said, more than likely, no, this was going to happen. You, uh, I, I just found out a week ago that I had uh, some kind of mutated gene that leads to this. And mm. cause I'm doing genetic studies because I want to make sure we get the kids and my brother, you know, doing the same thing I'm doing as far as the studies to see if they have that same same gene, but they said we could have, there's a possibility we could have ran tests on you the day before it happened and not found anything, hmm. not found anything. And then all of a sudden this could have happened. So, um, I just, for, there's so many things in life that you can stress over and, and some of them are legit and some of them you can take care of. Some of them are in your own hands, but the things that aren't in your own hands and things you don't have control over. I, for me, I just don't see the point of, of of making a big deal out of it. No doubt. Tommy, let me ask you one more thing about that. You and Steve Kerr go way back. You guys are tight. You mm -hmm. played on a Final Four team at Arizona. He has certainly had his own health scares. You're very close to him. What did he tell you when you spoke to him after your surgery? Oh, man. I mean, gosh, I don't even remember that conversation. I mean, we speak so frequently, and we usually speak about, I mean, just a wide variety of stuff. Uh I, you know, I just, it just, you know what, you're going to get through it, you know, that, that type of deal and you'll make it. Cause I mean, I've had the same conversations with him about, you know, the stuff that he's going through. Right. It's just, you know, people ask you how you get through it and I go, well, you just do, 
you just take one step and then you take another step and then, you know, you take another step and another step and you just, I mean, you just do. Uh, so for me, it was, you know, it took me a while uh, to get through it. And, you know, I talked to Steve a lot throughout the, uh, throughout the process of recovery and my, my three uh, subsequent procedures to get the blood flow back in my legs because I was having trouble uh, with that. But, uh, you know, it's not so much talking about, okay, you can do this. It's just, I just love talking to people about anything and everything. And and, and the fact that a, a number of people call me, like it just, I truly believe those positive vibes, like help me get through the recovery. Just knowing, I mean, you gave me a call, Steve gave me a call. I got like a bunch of high school buddies that called me that I still go golf with all the time. And, you know, some showed up at the, the hospital and I mean, I just think positivity is so important uh, for people. And I, I can tell you for me, just, just knowing that talking to people and being able to talk some sports with them or crack some jokes with them or ask them how their kids are doing or this and that kind of takes your mind off things and makes you feel good. Like, okay, things are going to get back to normal and eventually they do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was all my friends that called me and uh, reached out to me and texted me during that. I, I absolutely believe that, that, uh, that helped me in the recovery process. You know, you said it best. You just want, you just love talking to people. You love talking to people about things. And then you mentioned golf. All right. So you went through the three procedures. You had to get the blood flow going once again. Now you've done a few videos with our mutual pal, Steve Elkington for his show, secret golf. I know you guys (laughs) have played together. What's it like to tee it up with elk and shooting the shit with him for 18? It's awesome. It's unbelievable. It was probably a couple years ago over at Stonebray when he was out here. They actually have a couple uh, tournaments. It was the one that Steph played in, actually, last year. It was that course that we went out and played. And it just, the one thing I remember <laughs> from Elk, I mean, it did this always, like, just whenever we go play golf, you hit it in the rough. He goes, ah, in the hippie grass, mate. I'm like, what, hippie grass? What, hippie grass? Like, yeah, it's a hippie grass, mate. So <laughs> now every time we go out and play, me and my buddy who actually played with me that day is like, we just, hey, hey, that's that's what it is now. The rough is hippie grass. It's just, ah, the hippie grass. Oh, no, oh, no we're in the hippie grass. And then you get dropping the, the mate. But he's, not only is he super funny and he's fun to play with, but God, like you just, you look at his swing. That's and perfect. it's still such a flawless swing. It's like, why can you jealous. Like, why can't I do that? Why just once, why can't I make my body move? Like he makes his body move and just, and just hit the ball. I mean, my, my drives were all over the place that day and he was killing me, which I would have been killing me too, but he just, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a fun dude to play with. Yeah. And he calls it the muff on air. So it gets even better. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, he's the greatest. <laughs> All right, Tommy, be honest before you go. Can anybody beat Golden State, or is everybody playing for second? Oh, probably the latter. I mean, it'll be – there's four teams. There's San Antonio and San Antonio because Pop, and I have so much respect for Pop and and what he's able to do uh, throughout the course of the series and adjustments uh, that he will make and and, – but we just saw Kawhi got hurt again with the shoulder. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but – I'll give them a shot. I would give them a shot. I'll give Houston a shot because uh, Harden and Paul together are, are tough, and I, I think adding Tucker and Mbamute gives them some wing depth that you have to have against the Warriors, and it gives them 
It gives them some toughness. The Cavaliers, because they have LeBron, and I want to see him and uh, Isaiah play together and see how that looks. But I'm still not sure defensively if they're uh, good enough to win four games because that's ultimately what you got to do. You have to beat these guys four times. The Celtics are intriguing, and I think they'd be a lot more intriguing if Hayward were there because they do have that wing depth uh, that I'm talking about. Tatum's going to be a stud. Smart is super tough. I mean, Kyrie is a finisher. Brown's getting better and better. So I, I like their team, but, I mean, I don't know if they can do it without Hayward. I mean, you got to hope that you play your best, and they have they have a couple games where two of their guys, uh, out of Clay, KD, and Steph, two guys have bad shooting games. Because if one guy has a bad shooting game, two are on, you're, you're in deep, deep trouble. I mean, they did they have more guys that can do more things than than your team has. And they have two guys in Steph and KD that can bail you out of any possession with like a crazy play. I mean, they just, you get stuck and those guys can make, can make shots. Draymond's the best defender in the league and the way they play I and mean, the way Steve coaches them is just a, you know, it's a beautiful style of basketball where the ball moves, players move and yeah, they have their ISOs. They have their pick and rolls with Steph and uh, KD ISOs occasionally. But everyone gets to play. Everyone touches the ball. Everyone feels like they're a valuable member of the team, whether they're scoring 20 points or not. Everyone's bought in. And I, I look, I know what everyone's saying, and I said the same thing. Yeah, and they have the most talent. That's a given. They have the most talent. But we've seen talented teams come apart uh, for different reasons. This team uh, hasn't. I don't suspect it well. And, yeah, it would be a maybe not major upset, but definitely would be an upset if anybody other than the Golden State Warriors were to uh, hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy once again. Tommy T, you're on your game. And I knew this from the very jump. I knew it when you made that first phone call. I'm like, this is a very different cat. This is a very different guy. He's going to play his basketball. He'll have a nice NBA career. But as soon as he's done, I know he's going to be a talk show host or do whatever he wants in the media. You've had an amazing run, an amazing run in a major market on a big-time radio station. And I want to say, not only do I consider you one of my best friends, I love you very much. I was very terrified to see what happened to you, but I should have known, brother, that you would fight your way through this thing, come out the other end, and it's all good. Tommy T, I love you, man. Love you, man. It's always a pleasure uh, being on with you, Jim. Anytime you need me, you got the number. And I guess since we're doing the the podcast, I, could, I, I should probably say shit or something just so I could like squeeze in one, one curse word. I'd you feel- should. Hey, I don't know. I don't want people to think that I'm like a prude or something. So, shit. I dare I said it twice. How's that? What do you say you take a look in the mirror? Now, what is it that you didn't do last year that you absolutely have to do in 2018? Work out more, lose weight, make more money, be a better person? Yeah, that's all fine and well, but the most important thing you can do to improve your health, well-being, and energy is to stop snoring and get a Zipa. If you snore, you need to stop. Snoring is not sleeping. Every time you snore, both you and those next to you do not get quality sleep. How sleep deprivation impacts your life is immeasurable. What is proven is that Zipa is guaranteed to stop snoring and what better way to start your year. Get a Zipa. Go to Zipa.com. Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Make this new year a new you. Do not procrastinate. Go to Zipa.com. That's Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Let's agree that 2018 is the year that you stop snoring. If you already use a Zipa, congrats. If it's been six months or more, you need a new Zipa. Again, snoring is rude, it's disrespectful, it's embarrassing. 
Snoring is rude, disrespectful, and embarrassing. Relationships are in constant strain because snoring keeps people from staying in the same bed all night. So this is your opportunity. Get a Zipa. Go to ZYPPAH.com and make this new year a new you. Do not wait. Go to Zipa.com. That's ZYPPAH.com. And now we're officially on the board in 2018 with EP19 all wrapped up. If you liked what you just heard, you want to make sure you fire off a tweet to Tom Tolbert. He's on Twitter at ByronJr23. That's B-Y-R-O-N-J-R-2-3. Or simply search out Tom Tolbert and look for that Verify Blue check. Remember, I've got 18 more of these waiting for you on iTunes and all the Android players, plus the new simulcast that you need to check out on CBS Sports Network, which is Channel 221 on DirecTV and 158 on Dish. There is so much happening in the jungle right now, and it's only the second week of January. Stay posted on everything through my Twitter feed at Jim Rome. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you tell a friend, sell them on our amazing guest list, get them subscribed, be a jungle hero. Catch y'all next week. I'm out.